You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. From ABC News, World News This Week. I'm Chuck Sievertson in New York. Coming up. Devastation, destruction, and desperation in Syria and Turkey. There are almost no miracles here. I've never been anywhere where you're surrounded by so many bodies being pulled out, put into body bags, or or swaddled in in blankets. Let's all agree, and we apparently are, let's stand up for seniors. A spirited State of the Union address and a super honor for DeMar Hamlin. I plan to never take this position for granted and always have an urgent approach in making a a difference in the community. The people and events that made headlines when World News This Week continues. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. A staggering amount of devastation this week in Turkey and Syria after a 7.8 magnitude earthquake shook the region. Tens of thousands of people have died. Millions have been displaced and entire towns have been wiped out. Rescue efforts like this one in Syria are frantic. Survivors have been found in the rubble, but crews say it's also a race against time to find more. ABC's David Muir in southern Turkey this week has the story of one young child who made it to safety. Across this devastated region, they are finding small miracles. In Diyarbakir, Turkey, the voice of a young boy, Basir Yildiz, just six years old, trapped nearly 80 hours under the rubble. Rescuers finding him, holding his hand to calm him as they work to dig him out. He tells them his body is aching. He asks them for water. The team working for hours to get him out, wrapping him in a thermal blanket, giving him oxygen, and racing him to the hospital. And crews in Turkey also finding a 10-day-old infant and his mother, both alive after being trapped under rubble for roughly 90 hours. In Syria, a newborn baby was rescued from a five-story apartment building. Her mother died just hours after giving birth. The newborn, named Aya, Arabic for miracle, is recovering at the hospital. The rest of her entire family died in the earthquake, and thousands of people have already offered to adopt her. ABC's Marcus Moore got a first-hand look at the overwhelmed hospitals in southeastern Turkey. 
We're at one of the main hospitals in uh, Adiyaman uh, here in Turkey, and we have seen a steady stream of ambulances coming here, people who are being pulled from the rubble, brought to this hospital, and being treated. I can tell you it is a frenzied scene, an urgent one here, and one of the doctors told me, uh, one of the surgeons told me that they are seeing patients who have uh, crush injuries and also those suffering from hypothermia. Humanitarian aid groups say they're battling cold weather and little to no infrastructure in certain more rural areas. Didem Demirakan is the deputy executive director for Oxfam in Turkey. She tells ABC News that the region impacted by the earthquake is vast. It had 10 provinces, so it's a big geography, and 13 million people were impacted. So, you know, it's a big population. So, first of all, the needs are too much. It's prompting the U.S. government to send teams of professional rescue crews to the region. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. We have deployed more than 150 search and rescue personnel to Turkey. We have U.S. helicopters that are helping to reach areas that would otherwise be difficult to access. Uh, in Syria, we have NGO partners that uh, we funded over the years that are providing life-saving assistance to those in need. The U.S. AID is setting aside $85 million for earthquake and humanitarian assistance. U.S. European Command is also setting up a naval task force. The aircraft carrier, the USS George H.W. Bush, is off the coast of Turkey, ready to help. But there are reports that the Turkish and Syrian government's responses have been slow. ABC's Tom Rivers has more on what the Turkish president has pledged to those displaced. During hard-hit Adiyaman, President Erdogan, through a translator, stressing that all must stand together. And for those who've lost everything... Our citizens who doesn't want to stay in a tent or in a container, we will pay their rent in Adiyaman if there is any place left. Or in another city, we're going to pay their rent. As for immediate needs, the government's distributing millions of hot meals as well as tents and blankets. But given the scale, it's struggling to reach many people in need. Tom Rivers, ABC News, at the Foreign Desk. And Secretary Blinken telling reporters this week that the U.S. isn't funneling earthquake relief money to the Syrian government. We're a leading provider of uh, humanitarian assistance to Syria, to the Syrian people, not uh, to the government. And working through these partners, um, we've tried to make sure that the assistance gets to uh, where it's needed. ABC's Ian Panel has been visiting the hardest-hit areas and talks to ABC's Brad Milkey of our Start Here podcast about the rescue efforts he saw and the sheer magnitude of the devastation. Antakya in particular uh, seems to be very badly hit, and it's you know, it's a relatively poor, um, but, but not terribly poor kind of town. It's a medium-sized, it's got a lot of hustle and bustle, it's near the border with Syria. Uh, it's a mixed population of Kurdish, um, Turkish, Arabic-speaking, and it's a town that I know really well because throughout our coverage, of the Syrian civil war, this was our base. I mean, it was really our home. We stayed there for weeks and weeks on a time. Um, I got a message very early on at the start uh, when the news started coming through the earthquake. A Turkish friend of mine, and she wrote very simply a, a message on my phone saying, Ian, Antakya is gone. Wow. We got to see for ourselves, really, the, the level of destruction. Almost every single building has been either raised to the ground or is tumbling to one side like some ocean liner that's starting to capsize. Imagine every disaster movie that you've ever seen. That's exactly what it looks like. You've got rescue crews moving around the debris. The air is thick uh, with this fine dust that's coming 
from a lot of the buildings there. They're looking for survivors, but most of all, they're pulling out bodies, putting them in body bags. We saw people um, with carts wheeling through the streets with bodies on them, pulling them into the trunks of cars, taking them straight to the cemetery uh, to, to bury them. Uh, it, it's an incredible scene there. You see people walking along the streets uh, in tears. People dazed, people carrying what few possessions they managed to hold, uh, looking for somewhere to bed down for the night. Are you getting any help from the government? They are waiting to, you know, have... You're still waiting? And a number of days into this disaster, uh, What's striking is that, that people still have nowhere to go, that the level of assistance and the level of help is fairly low. Six, seven-storey buildings have been pancaked flat. Ah, so they need to go underneath. And everywhere around you, you saw the grief, you saw the destruction, you saw the death, and you saw the devastation. Hey, and Ian, what does the rescue effort look like? Because you were there essentially as people were still trying to, to, to grab each other out of the rubble. Yeah, it varies a lot. I think on the whole, a lot of it is very ad hoc. I mean, in some places, it really is just extended family members um, getting hold of some kind of mechanical digger. Using that and using their bare hands and whatever tools they can uh, lay their hands on to try and clear some rubble away to try and search for for bodies or search for survivors. In other places, it's a little more organized. There are proper professional teams there who are used to searching through this kind of wreckage. Uh, every now and again, a whistle is blown. Everyone is urged to go quiet. while they listen, they use special listening devices to try and hear underneath the concrete to see if there is anyone there. Do you feel like you're essentially there as this is teetering into, we're finding the last people we're going to find? Yes, I think so. No, no you have to bear in mind, uh, for religious reasons, people are trying to locate and bury the dead as quickly as possible. So you don't get any sense of a drop-off in the urgency uh, in trying to locate people. And, of course, people do remain hopeful. And every now and again, you know, you do see these odd miracles, if you like. But the truth is, there are almost no miracles here. I've never been anywhere where you're surrounded by so many bodies being pulled out, put into body bags, or, or swaddled in, in blankets, and just put into the trunks of cars, or put into the back of them, and then taken straight to, to the cemetery to be buried. Uh, everywhere around you, sometimes even just lying there on the road, are multiple body bags. It's, a, it's difficult to keep up. If you'd like to help the earthquake relief efforts, you can go to unicefusa.org slash ABC News. We have to see each other not as enemies, but as fellow Americans. We're good people. The only nation in the world built on an idea. The only one. This week, President Biden delivered his State of the Union address to both chambers of Congress. The president's speech largely focusing on the work he hopes to do with both Democrats and Republicans. But there were contentious moments surrounding the president's claim that some Republicans proposed cuts to Medicare and Social Security. I'm not politely not naming them, but it's being proposed by some of you. But even as Republicans were jeering, the president was able to get consensus in the room. Let's all agree. And we apparently are. Let's stand up for seniors. 
More from ABC News senior White House correspondent Mary Bruce. It was rowdy and contentious. Republicans erupting when the president accused them of wanting to cut Social Security and Medicare. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. <laughs> Let me give you anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. Seeing opportunity in the moment, the president then tried to get Republicans on the record. So, folks, as we all apparently agree, Social Security and Medicare is off the, off the books now, right? They're not to be sponsored. All right. We got unanimity. At one point, he had Republicans and Democrats nearly all standing to defend Social Security and Medicare, which was his point. Biden urged Republicans to work with him, but instead they repeatedly heckled and jeered. On multiple occasions, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy even shushing his own members. The president speaking directly to the working class, pointing to record low unemployment and waning inflation as proof his policies are working. We're building an economy where no one's left behind. Jobs are coming back. Pride is coming back. Because choices we made in the last several years. You know, this is, in my view, a blue-collar blueprint to rebuild America and make a real difference in your lives at home. Repeatedly, he called for the country to stay the course. Finish the job. Let's finish the job this time. Let's finish the job. We got to finish the job. On the issue of police reform, with Tyree Nichols' parents looking on, Biden was blunt, admitting most in that chamber cannot relate. Most of us in here have never had to have the talk, the talk that brown and black parents have had to have with their children. Just as every cop, when they pin on that badge in the morning, has a right to be able to go home at night, so does everybody else out there. Our children have a right to come home safely. ABC's Karen Travers says the White House was pleased with the reception the president received. Asked about the heckling President Biden got from some House Republicans during the State of the Union, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said he was focused on talking about the progress made over the last two years and delivering for the American people. If you talk about the split screen, right, you saw that from the president and you saw what the Republicans were, were all about, which is jeering and uh, and and and, you know, behaving in a way that, again, Americans don't want. Sources tell ABC that staff back at the White House were cheering and high-fiving during the president's back and forth with Republican lawmakers over Social Security and Medicare. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. New Republican governor of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, delivered the GOP response. Sanders making the argument that the Biden administration's policies have made things worse. President Biden is unwilling to defend our border defend our skies, and defend our people. He is simply unfit to serve as commander-in-chief. ABC News Chief Washington correspondent Jonathan Carl says that Sanders' speech harkened back to those from her former boss. Sarah Sanders literally going to Trump's old spokesperson. Her message was very much in keeping uh, with, with, with Trumpism. It was uh, harshly negative, almost a bit of American carnage that we saw from Trump uh, in his inaugural address. But one interesting thing, Sarah Huckabee Sanders 
may have invoked Trump, but she never once mentioned his name in that speech. Here again, ABC's Brad Milkey, host of our Start Here podcast, talking to Republican strategist Sarah Isger about what this week's State of the Union means for the state of the GOP. When you think about the old school Republican Party, the three legs of the stool, Reagan Republican and, you know, limited government, budget and deficit hawks, you can't really be a budget or deficit hawk if you're mm. not talking about the two largest expenditures of the federal government, which are Social Security and Medicare. And so when Republicans on Tuesday night, I mean, physically took that off the table by standing up. Social Security and Medicare are a lifeline for millions of seniors. Americans have to pay into them from the very first paycheck they started. So tonight, let's all agree and apparently we are. Let's stand up for seniors. It's a fascinating moment in the history of the Republican Party. I would say that leg of the stool, maybe it didn't like fall all the way off, but it certainly got shortened. The Republican Party's having a much larger, broader conversation over what it's going to be. When you shoot it down off the coast of South Carolina, you sure as hell can shoot it down off the coast of my state. That's Alaska's Senator Dan Sullivan questioning the decision by the Biden administration to shoot down a Chinese surveillance balloon off the East Coast rather than off the coast of his state when it was first detected. Lawmakers from both sides of the aisle demanding answers this week after getting briefed by Pentagon officials. More from ABC News Chief Global Affairs correspondent Martha Raddatz. The administration saying there is no doubt the balloon's equipment was for intelligent surveillance and not what you'd find on a weather balloon, as the Chinese have claimed. On Capitol Hill, Pentagon officials grilled about why it wasn't shot down when it first crossed into U.S. airspace over Alaska. But military commanders did not deem the balloon to be a hostile, imminent threat when it was over Alaska. The Pentagon insists shooting it down over those icy waters would have made it too hard to recover debris and with it, crucial intelligence. Administration officials also say that China has been using these spy balloons over other nations in total five continents. ABC's Andy Field also says it's not the first time China has flown a balloon over the U.S. At the Pentagon, Press Secretary Brigadier General Pat Ryder disclosing that in recent years, China had flown four previous spy balloons over sensitive U.S. sites. For classification reasons, I'm not going to be able to go into a lot of details other than these four uh, are the ones that we assess went over U.S. soil. Former President Trump claimed he would have never allowed those balloons over the U.S., the Pentagon suggesting he did. Andy Field, ABC News, Washington. ABC News learning that recovery efforts to retrieve the balloon's so-called payload have stalled this week due to choppy waters. Biden administration officials also confirming that another unidentified object was shot down this week over Alaska. The FBI searching Vice President Mike Pence's Indiana home this week for potential classified materials. Here's ABC's M. Wynn. Former Vice President Mike Pence was not home when FBI agents conducted a planned and consensual search of his Indiana residence Friday. Sources say this comes after one of Pence's aides discovered documents with classified markings there last month, a search that was done proactively and in the wake of classified documents being found in President Joe Biden's home from his previous time in office. This search comes a day after Pence received a subpoena from the special counsel investigating former President Trump's alleged efforts to stay in power after he lost the 2020 presidential election. M. Wynn, ABC News, Washington. ABC News learning that federal agents recovered one document with classified markings. We're coming up on one year since Russia's invasion into Ukraine started, and this week, Ukraine's president making a plea for European allies to supply fighter jets 
Here again, ABC's Tom Rivers. In historic Westminster Hall, with hundreds of lawmakers in attendance, Zelensky gave the Speaker of the House of Commons a signed flight helmet from one of Ukraine's top military pilots. The writing on the helmet reads, We have freedom. Give us wings to protect it. Zelensky contends fighter jets will help ensure Ukraine's victory in the war. Tom Rivers, ABC News, London. The Senate Commerce Committee looking into what happened at Southwest Airlines when more than 16,000 flights were canceled during the holiday season. More from ABC's Alex Stone. The Southwest meltdown was a failure of management, according to the head of the pilots union who testified in front of the Senate panel. The complete chaos unfolded at that time. ABC News has obtained photos of messages sent to pilots in Southwest cockpits asking them to confirm who was flying the plane during that meltdown. Systems had crumbled. Captain Casey Murray. Southwest used to be an airline that supported its, em- its employees. It has become an airline that is supported by its employees. A Southwest executive told the panel the airline messed up and apologized. Alex Stone, ABC News. All hail King James. ABC's Brian Clark explains. Lakers fans roared as LeBron James claimed an NBA record that was long seen as unbreakable. LeBron, one-on-one against Kenrick Williams, backing him in. Turns, shoots, scores! There it is! Oh, hail the new king in town! On ESPN 710 LA, after LeBron James broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time NBA scoring record, the two took part in a brief ceremony. Afterwards, James said, You know, it's just an honor to be just named with the greats. Um, be in a conversation with the greats that played this game. It wasn't all great for the Lakers. They lost to the Thunder. Brian Clark, ABC News. Coming up. One of my favorite quotes. It's a blessing to be a blessing. Super gratitude when World News This Week continues. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Super Bowl 57 kicking off between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. Before the big game in Phoenix, Arizona, recognition from the NFL commissioner about what will make this game historic. Here again, ABC's Alex Stone. For the first time ever, a Super Bowl will have two black quarterbacks leading their teams. Focusing on diversity, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell says the league has made great strides now with 11 quarterbacks who are black. I think our game has changed because of their talents, and I think the game has changed on the college level. Also, Goodell said still more needs to be done to diversify the league. Also, he said additional measures are needed to prevent concussions, especially on special teams, including looking at new helmet technology. Alex Stone, EBC News. Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin, who collapsed on the field last month, receiving a coveted service award from the NFL Players Association, the Allen Page Community Award. One of my favorite quotes, it's a blessing to be a blessing. Um, with that being said, I plan to never take this position for granted and always have an urgent approach in making a, a difference in the community where I come from 
and also communities across the world. Hamlin telling ABC's Michael Strahan that he's thankful for the NFL trainer who administered CPR after he collapsed. I owe Denny my life, literally. Uh, you know, him just, just, you know, he loves to say he was just doing his job, but, mm -hmm. and which is true, you know, that night he was literally um, the savior of my life, you know, administrating CPR on me. And those are the people and events that made world news this week. World News This Week was written and produced by Joy Piazza. I'm Chuck Sievertson, ABC News, New York. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.